recording Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to to eighty-seven. Oh, that view is tremendous. A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks and happy 16th birthday, sweetie. And thank you for tuning into episode 62 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Back to the big screen we go. But this time, the tunes are provided by just a trio of musicians instead of the orchestra full that you are used to. And everyone is an Oscar winner. So, time to go grooving at the movies with extra butter for volume 62, Popcorn and Soul.
But wait a minute. We do it every Sunday here on Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. <laughs> Never on Sunday. Written by Billy Town and Manos Hajitakas. Never on Sunday is a 1960 Greek romantic comedy film written by, directed by, and starring Jules Dacine. The film tells the story of Elia, a Greek prostitute played by Melina McCory, and Homer played by Dacine, an American classicist whatever that means. Homer attempts to steer her towards morality, while Ilya attempts to make Homer more relaxed. It constitutes a variation of the Pygmalion plus hooker with a heart of gold story. I get a lot of this stuff from Wikipedia. Never on Sunday won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. It was nominated for the Academy Awards for Best Actress in a Leading Role for McCory, Best Costume Design, Black and White, Best Director and Best Writing Story and Screenplay as written directly for the screen. Uh, those were for DeScene. McCory won the award for Best Actress at the 1960 Cannes Film Festival. Okay, why this album? Well, this one intrigued me when I cataloged my dad's collection more than two years ago now because the album doesn't have a cover. It was just a plain white paper protective sleeve that usually slips into the cardboard cover. Plus, this one is a radio station promotional record, not something usually found in the collection of someone not employed at a radio station. I don't think my dad was ever employed there, but it does answer some questions about some of his other albums that I found. But I digress. Now, I've got several promotional records in my collection since I spent 16 years in radio. So I was, I was putting the schedule together for season two and something popped out about this album. So I thought I would give it a spin. I'm glad I did. And I hope you're glad I did too, because we get to hear some of my favorite melodies from the movies, especially this one that I've told you before. I will play every chance I get.
Over the Rainbow from, of course, The Wizard of Oz, which is a 1939 American musical fantasy film produced by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, an adaptation of L. Frank Baum's 1900 children's fantasy novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. The film was primarily directed by Victor Fleming, who left the production to take over the troubled Gone with the Wind, and stars Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, Ray Bolger, Burt Lahr, Jack Haley, Billy Burke, and Margaret Hamilton. Noel Langley, Florence Ryerson, and Edgar Allan Wolfe received credit for the screenplay, but others made uncredited contributions. The songs were written by Edgar Yip Harburg and composed by Harold Arlen. The musical score and incidental music were composed by Herbert Stothart. Characterized by its use of technicolor, fantasy storytelling, musical score, and memorable characters, The Wizard of Oz was moderately successful upon its original release of August 25, 1939. The film was considered a critical success and was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, winning two categories, winning in two categories Best Original Song for Over the Rainbow and Best Original Score for Stothart. While the film was sufficiently popular in the box office, it failed to make a profit for MGM until the 1949 re-release, earning only $3 million plus on a $2.7 million budget, not including promotional costs, which made it MGM's most expensive production at that time. I think one actor is getting that kind of money now for just one film. Now, let's learn about the record that I have chosen for this episode. The Roy Merriweather Trio, Popcorn and Soul, Grooving at the Movies. It's on the Columbia label, number CL2498. It's of the vinyl LP album format, Mono. It was released in 1966, and its genre is jazz. Now, like I said at the beginning, my dad's copy has no cover, just the plain inside sleeve, but using the magic of the internet, I found what I needed. And if you are watching the episode uh, on video, you will have seen the cover of the trio standing in front of Roy's piano. Well, I also found the back cover, which includes a lot of notes, but I'm only going to read the first four short paragraphs. There was a time when music of Broadway and Hollywood escaped the improvisational interpretations of the jazz artist. During the past few years, however, a multiplicity of Broadway and movie tunes have become staples in the jazz man's book. Some observers declare that the recent surge of jazz artists who dip into the commercial area for tunes is motivated by a desire to get on the bestseller charts. But this is by no means the whole story. The basic reason is not so much for the commercial acceptance as the theater and cinema offer a vast source of new material that contains the true musical validity. Because a tune may become a popular, uh, be, become popular as a result of wide exposure by the Broadway and Hollywood entertainment capitals, does not mean that it has enough substance to afford a jazz performer a richly personal interpretation. If it does, the the uh, song's lifespan is very often extended because, as a result of the jazz man's efforts, it has reached an even wider audience. Pianist Roy Merriweather is a sensitive, talented artist. He listens and is constantly on the alert for new material, a vital part of the growing nucleus of jazz musicians who ignore the musical categories or labels. His approach is wholly creative, an expression of the musical philosophy through interpretation. He, too, finds Hollywood and Broadway rich 
terrain for new excursions. Now, let's see what Discogs.com has this record valued at. Of course, <laughs> with a cover. Lowest came in at $9.57, highest at $13.41, with a median at $11.49. It was last sold on Discogs.com April 2nd, 2021. Uh, eBay had copies from 10 to $18.43. I found a copy on Amazon for $5.15. Rare for Amazon to be that cheap compared to the rest of them. Now, my dad's record is in fair condition. There's not too much hiss. The album cover will call in gone condition. Uh, doesn't have one. All two of the three records I found looking for the back cover were also radio station promotional copies. So that was uh, not sure what to make of that. So I'll value my dad's record at a quarter. Next up, one of my favorite Henry Mancini tunes. from Breakfast at Tiffany's. 
which is a 1961 American romantic comedy film directed by Blake Edwards, written by George Axelrod, adapted from Truman Capote's 1958 novella of the same name, and starring Audrey Hepburn as Holly Golightly, a naive, eccentric cafe society girl who falls in love with a struggling writer. It was a theatrically released it was theatrically released by Paramount Pictures October 5th 1961 to critical and commercial success. Nominated for 5 Academy Awards, winning 2 with the music including Moon River, nominated for 6 Grammy Awards, winning 5. The film was selected in 2012 for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. During the film, Heppert sang the film's signature song, Moon River, by Henry Mancini and Johnny Mercer. The song was tailored to Hepburn's limited vocal range. Mancini and Mercer won the 1961 Oscar for Best Original Song for Moon River. Mancini won for Best Original Score. Now, let's learn a little about the featured artist, Roy Merriweather. I found this at highresaudio.com, and I will drop the link to this uh, bio into the show notes. A multidimensional and self-taught virtuoso, Roy Merriweather blends jazz, blues, and gospel with classical elements in a unique and innovative style that has drawn enthusiastic crowds to nightclubs, colleges, and concert halls across the country. Born February 24, 1943 in Dayton, Ohio, Mr. Merriweather started playing piano at the age of three and had composed two pieces before he was four. Shortly thereafter, he began playing in his father's church, accompanying the family choir and performing the gospel singers uh, with gospel singers throughout the Midwest. Mr. Merriweather turned professional with his own group at age 18 and has devoted himself to both composing and performing ever since. Reviewers are frequently impressed by his power. Critic Arnold Shaw once described him as a two-fisted pianist who in this day of right-handed wizards has the sound of a champion with thunder in his left hand and lightning in his right, unquote. As recently reported in the Scottsdale, Arizona Daily Progress, Mr. Merriweather performs both standards and original compositions with a creativity that is nothing short of genius. Merriweather himself is the epitome of a giving musician, at his best with a responsive listening audience. He does not require it, but appreciates it and rewards it with dynamite delivered with the power his hands produce. In 1973, the National Endowment for the Arts bestowed on Mr. Merriweather a Jazz Composition Fellowship Grant for the purpose of writing a musical work tracing the history of the black experience in America. The scope and breadth of the project resulted in the 21-piece suite Black Snow, written and premiered for the United States Bicentennial Celebration April 1976 with the Howard Roberts Chorale and the Dayton Contemporary Dance Guild. Living in New York City since 1976, Roy continuously uh, continuously elicits standing ovations from his audiences. He is frequently called upon to compose specific works for special events, such as in the November 1989 Nuaba Salute to Women's Conference in the Bahamas, where he performed his piece, A Tribute to You, My Lady. He has received numerous awards, including Jamaica Queen's New York Jazz Community Award, the New York Manhattan Association of Cabaret Award, and has been considered for a Grammy nomination. In March of 1999, Mr. Merriweather received a Lifetime Achievement to Music Award. Mr. Merriweather's sound is unmistakable, and his music is timeless. Unfortunately, Roy died just this past December 2nd, 
at the age of 78. And now, will I make my sister cry again? Zippity Doodah is a song composed by Allie Rubel with lyrics by Ray Gilbert for the 1946 Disney live action and animated movie Song of the South, sung by James Baskett. The movie is based on the collection of Uncle Remus stories as adapted by Joel Chandler Harris and stars Basket as Uncle Remus. The film takes place in the southern United States during the Reconstruction Era, a period of American history after the end of the American Civil War and the abolition of slavery. The story follows seven-year-old Johnny, Bobby Driscoll, who is visiting his grandmother's plantation for an extended stay. Johnny befriends Uncle Remus, one of the workers on the plantation, and takes joy in hearing his tales about the adventures of Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear, you know, who throws Br'er Rabbit into the briar patch. Uh, Johnny learns from the stories how to cope with the challenges he is experiencing while living on the plantation. 
For Zippity Doodah, the film won the Academy Award for Best Original Song and was the second Disney song to win the award after When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio in 1940, um, the song that we will use to close this show with. Disney historian Jim Corcus said the word Zippity Doodah was reportedly invented by Walt Disney, who was fond of nonsense words such as Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. According to the book Doodah, Stephen Foster and the Rise of American Popular Culture, the song is influenced by the chorus of a pre-Civil War folk song. And now that leads us to this episode's dual interesting side notes. And it has to do with the song, the movie, my dad and my sister. Zippity Doodah is one of those songs that my dad was always whistling and singing, and for some reason, it got connected to my sister when she was born. Probably what he said to my mom when she told him she was pregnant with my sister. Anyway, it got to be a thing that everybody knew about, so much that my sister found this really cool line art for the song. It features the animated characters you meet in the movie, complete with lyrics and some copyright credits. It's on the screen if you're watching the, the video version. It also features artwork from a frame from the movie where you see Uncle Remus telling his stories on the plantation. Just a cool piece of artwork here. She had it framed as a present for my dad, and my dad proudly displayed it. My sister now has it hanging in the main room of her house. Now, Song of the South was one of my dad's favorite movies, but it became more controversial over time. So Disney has taken it upon themselves to withhold this movie from the public. But, but my dad didn't know that back in the mid-1990s when he and my mom visited Disney World. You see, he wanted to buy a VHS copy, and that was the only movie they did not have at the gift store. He was not happy about that and asked me for help. Well, I will now plead the fifth. But just know, he got his VHS copy, which eventually was transferred to DVD for him. Uh, but I'll still pull a Sergeant Schultz here and say, I know nothing. <laughs> so, uh, zippity-doo-dah.
The Shadow of Your Smile from the movie Sandpiper, which is a 1965 America drama film directed by Vicente Minnelli and starring Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. Laura Reynolds is a free-spirited, unwed single mother living with her young son, Danny, in an isolated beach house in Big Sur, California. She makes a modest living as an artist and homeschools her son out of concern that he will be compelled to follow stifling conventional social norms in a regular school. The judge orders her to send the boy to an Episcopal boarding school where Dr. Edward Hewitt is headmaster and his wife, Claire, teaches, or the judge will send Danny to reform school. Well, you can guess the rest. The film received negative reviews from critics, but the music was award-winning. The Shadow of Your Smile won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for songwriter Johnny Mandel and lyricist Paul Francis Webster. Mandel won the Grammy for Best Original Score Written for a Motion Picture or Television Show. The score and the song were nominated for Golden Globes. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. There certainly was some groovy music on this album filled with Oscar-winning movie tunes. The Roy Merriweather Trio certainly treated them nicely. Definitely lots of butter, if you ask me. I was certainly familiar with all of the tunes here, but I've only seen half of these movies. And while I always try to connect the music from each episode to my dad somehow, this connection to my sister was extra special. So to finish us up, just imagine old Jiminy Cricket saying, let your conscience be your guide.
boy, does that bring back memories. When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio, a 1940 American animated musical fantasy film produced by Walt Disney Productions and based on the 1883 Italian children's novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. The plot involves an old Italian woodcarver named Geppetto, who carves a wooden puppet named Pinocchio. The puppet is brought to life by a blue fairy who informs him that he can become a real boy if he proves himself to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Pinocchio's efforts to become a real boy involves encounters with a host of unsavory characters. And the movie, of course, has been entertaining millions ever since. Jiminy Cricket's song, When You Wish Upon a Star, became a major hit and is still identified with the film and later as the theme song of the Walt Disney Company itself. The soundtrack won an Academy Award for Best Original Score. And there you have selections from the Roy Merriweather Trio, Groovin' at the Movies. So thanks for tuning into Volume 62, Popcorn and Soul, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to SpinningMyDad'sVinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 63, Connie's Italian Hits. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) 